This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. The letter to the Hebrews, chapter 12, beginning with verse 25. See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven, and this word, yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. I want to preach to you for just a few moments this morning on his kingdom shall not be shaken. I just felt the Holy Ghost when I said that. His kingdom shall not be shaken. Look at your neighbor on your way down and say, I shall not be moved. For anybody that knows me, they know that I'm a lover of church history, especially Church of God history, seeing that is the tribe in which I am a member of. I love all things about our history, how we were founded, how we began, where we started. I have many articles and many artifacts in my office celebrating our history. Several years ago, I made the acquaintance of the man who owns the former home of the first general overseer of the Church of God, A.J. Tomlinson. Having met him and fellowship with him, we were at his house one day and he looked over across the street where the first Church of God headquarters once stood. And we reminisced that on the bottom floor were the offices. On the top floor was the printing press. And we looked over there and began to discuss how that building no longer stood. Now, for those of you who know me, know that I had to have something from there. Now, if you go there, you will see nothing more than some grass and dirt. But if you dig just a little underneath the ground, every once in a while you'll stumble onto a piece of what was once the foundation. Now, I don't suggest you do this because the city of Cleveland may see you, but I got a piece. Now, I keep this little piece of stone on my 
desk. Because I want to continually be reminded of who I am and where I came from. Sometime last summer, Pastor, I, I was in a meeting with some of our executive committee members in Cleveland on Zoom, and we were discussing some issues on the field. And I was hearing how this virus was spreading all across the world and how there was some concern as to how it was going to affect ministry and how it was going to affect our denomination as a whole. Now, during that meeting, because I have a lot of nervous energy, I sat there with this piece of rock in my hand, twirling it back and forth, just listening intently as to what was being said. Now, while they were talking, I suddenly heard our general overseer make the statement, you know, we have more to consider than just America because the church of God is in 185 nations of the world. And the church of God has some 7.6 million members with some 15 million constituents that meet every single week in churches all across the world. And as he began to talk about this and I was holding this piece of rock in my hand, I've got to be honest with you, I instantly lost what was being said because the Holy Ghost began to speak to me. Because while I was holding this rock in my hand, listening to what that overseer was saying, I was quickly reminded, though that building no longer stands, though where we first started is no longer there, and where we first began ministry in the church of God may have long passed away, the church of the living God is still alive and well. Why is that? Because what I hold in my hand is temporal, but what I've got in my heart is eternal. I want to tell you, Sapona Road Church of God, every church building on this earth may crumble to the ground, and every Sunday school department we have in the world may fall apart and every single one of our ministries may seem as if it's going crazy but I've come back to tell you I'm a part of something bigger I'm a part of something greater I'm a part of something stronger why because all of this around us is temporal but blessed be God his church is everlasting his church is eternal his church has always been and will always be I want to tell you, do not be shaken. Hold on. God is going to take care of his people. Well, the writer to the Hebrews, who was it? Many speculate that it was Paul the apostle, but I do not believe this to be so. Simply because the writer to the Hebrews made a statement in his early writing that he had received his gospel from others. Paul the apostle never said that. Paul the Apostle said that he had received his gospel directly from the Lord Jesus Christ while journeying on the road to Damascus. Now, who was the author then? Well, many people believe that it was Apollos, the man who was eloquent in speech, who was of great oratory, whose Greek writing was very similar to that of the Hebrew letter. I personally believe it was him, not just because of those facts, but because he was all too familiar with what was taking place amongst the Hebrew church. You see, this writer was writing to a bunch of people who had watched their brothers and sisters thrown to the mouths of lions in the games of the Roman soldiers. The writer had watched these people as they were hung and burned at the stake 
cut in half. Not for having done anything, but for simply having named the name of Jesus Christ. You see, they were facing persecution. They were facing martyrdom. And because of this persecution, their faith began to wane and their faith became weak. Now, let me just throw this out. We've not faced persecution. Oh, yeah, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, they're making us do this, that, and the other, and it's just a persecution of the church. No, we've not been persecuted. We've not been persecuted. We may have been inconvenienced a few times, but we've not been persecuted. There is not one of us in this room or watching online that knows anybody in America that has been beheaded for claiming the name of Jesus Christ. We've not been persecuted. Is it going to come? I think so. Uh, but until then, let's listen to what the writer said. He said, in all of this persecution that you're facing, amongst all of this death that you're suffering, notice what's happening. He said, somebody's talking to you. He said, refuse not him that speaketh. Literally, what the writer was saying is that in the midst of all of this chaos, there is someone that's trying to get your attention. There is someone that's trying to speak not to your ears but to your heart. There is somebody that's trying to talk to you to get your attention. He said, now listen, this person once spoke on earth and he was rejected. And if you refuse him that's speaking now, you too will not escape the punishment that those that rejected him then received. And in fact, he said, much more will be your punishment because now he is not speaking from earth, but he is speaking from heaven. Who was he talking about? Who was trying to get their attention? Who was talking to them? It was the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know when Jesus came to this earth, he literally shook the earth with his message. He shook the foundations upon which all religiosity stood. He shook them from their very seats of belief and he told them that you cannot be saved by circumcision you cannot be saved by feast you cannot be saved by sacrifice he said there is only one way that you can be saved and I am the way I am the truth and I am the life but notice what his message was his message was very pointed and clear yet so very powerful his message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand I want to tell you church of God that message is still ringing loud and clear today in the midst of the Hebrew church when they face persecution this writer was telling them listen to what he's saying he's still trying to tell you be ready for the kingdom of heaven is at hand neighbor I've come by Fayetteville to tell you in the midst of a COVID-19 crisis in the midst of political discord in the midst of racial unrest I got one message and it's not mine but it's the Lord Jesus Christ he said repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand he said in the midst of chaos in the midst of trial get ready because the kingdom is at hand the Bible said that he was rejected because of this notice what he said if they refuse him that spoke was he refused oh time and time again in fact in Luke the Bible tells us that Jesus made the statement he said, I must go and sacrifice. 
myself. But I'm going to be rejected for it. I will suffer and be rejected, he said. In Mark, the Bible said that he was the stone that the builder rejected. In John, he said, I came into his own and his own received him not. He was refused. He was rejected. The reason he was crucified because his message was too tough for them. They didn't want to hear you have to repent. They didn't want to hear you have to be ready. So this writer told them, listen, he was rejected time and time again because his message that shook the earth was a message of repentance. Listen, this was not the first time that God had used this message to get the hearts and the lives of the people of Israel and the people of his church ready. In fact, when you go to Exodus 19, the Bible said that God was delivering the law to his people. We could easily say he was giving the word to his people. And in the midst of giving his word, writing it with his very own finger on tablets of stone, he laid out the law, he laid out the righteous ways of living to his his people. And the Bible said that the earth began to shake at that. Oh, I want to tell you, my friend, when the word is given to the world, the earth will shake. When the word is given to the people of God, the world will shake. Why do you think that there is such a shaking that's taking place right now? It's because God's trying to get his word to the people of God. He's trying to get his word to the lost and dying. You see, these cameras these means by which we have been ministering for more than a year now. It was not happenstance. I've heard people make the statement, well, we have gotten more gospel out now than at any other time in our history. You want me to tell you what's going on? God is shaking the earth with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know many people, they don't like the fact of having a camera in front of them. But I want to tell you, if we can shake the earth with the word of God, then let's use any means necessary. Whatever it takes to tell this world, it's time for you to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Whatever we must do, my God, let it be shaken. Could it be that the reason we've not had a shaken before now is because the word hasn't been delivered to the world? We've had too many, oh, God's going to have to help me right here. We've had too many weak preachers standing behind the pulpit who has done nothing more than give messages of sociology and psychology and self-help. But the message that God's trying to get to the earth is not that this is your best day and not that you can have a happy marriage. What he's trying to tell you is that all the ills of the world are surrounded by this one fact. You need to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But he shook the earth. Not only in Exodus, when you go to Isaiah chapter 2, the Bible said that he shook the earth again. This time it was the same message, repent, but notice the subject. It was a message about the coming of his son. Oh, God have mercy. You see, for too long the church has neglected the message of the coming of the Lord. Pastor, there was a day and time when you could not go to a camp meeting service without hearing the message of the Lord returning again. There was never a revival that took place where you would not hear the message that you needed to get ready because Jesus could come at any moment. Oh, we have turned our focus on too many other things. We have gotten adjusted to this world. We have gotten happy and satisfied and complacent where we are. Oh, but 
one more time. May behind the pulpit we hear a message that the Lord Jesus Christ could come at any moment. And I love the modern praise and worship. I love those songs that enter us into the presence of God. Oh, but much of our singing today has separated us from the fact that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. I want to tell you, I'm ready to hear the saints of God ring aloud one more time. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face there to sing forever of his saving grace. I'm ready to hear when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that's going to be, church of God. I want to tell you the message is ringing loud and clear. He is shaking this earth today. Get ready. Jesus is coming again. But he shook not only the earth. He said, I'm going to shake the heavens. How did he do that when you go to Isaiah chapter 13? The Bible said that he shook the earth and the heavens. This time it was still the same message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but a different subject. The first was the word is being delivered. The second, Jesus is coming. The third, there is also a wrath that is coming. I want to tell you, friend, we've negated the fact that there's a wrath coming. All we like to talk about is the peace, the love, and the joy of salvation. And we look at God as being a righteous God full of mercy and grace. But may we never forget that as he is righteous in mercy and grace, he is also righteous in wrath. Oh, I only got two or three amens on that one. He is a God of wrath. You see, I do not live in Africa. I do not live in Asia. I do not live in Europe. Therefore, I cannot speak to them. Now, I could, but not living there, I'm not going to. I'm just going to look at us for a little bit. We live in the greatest nation in all the world. And I know that many of my peers and many of my friends would look at me as being a nationalist of some sort because I do say God bless America. I had someone tell me, a professor actually, you should not say God bless America. You should say God bless everybody. I said, well, friend, before I pray for God to bless your children and your wife, I'm going to ask God to bless my children and my wife because they're mine. Hello? Yeah. That ended that conversation very quickly. I still got an A in the class, but, you know. But if we could just open up our eyes and see what's going on in this nation, we would realize there's a wrath coming to this world. This year, more babies were killed in the mother's womb than all of the cancer, all of the HIV and AIDS, all of the car wrecks, all of the heart attacks, and all of the COVID-19 combined. 43 million babies across this world, 1.3 million of them right here in the United States. And I know some are looking in the camera today and saying, well, preacher, you shouldn't be saying that, and possibly some of you sitting here. In fact, I had one tell me many months ago, that all the preachers considered today was abortion. And they said, well, you know, sin is sin. I said, no, it's not. 
Oh, some of you are looking at me dumbfounded. Never say sin is sin. Yes, all sin will send you to hell, but some sin, the Bible said, are sins unto death. In fact, the Bible said, these six things does the Lord hate, Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. You see, he never destroyed an entire nation for lying. He never destroyed an entire nation for disobedient, uh, being disobedient to parents. But he did destroy entire nations because they shed innocent blood, which is one of the abominations. He did destroy an entire nation. Just read the book of Amos. He said he will destroy the nation because they ripped open the wombs of the mother. It did not say abortion, but it doesn't become any more clear than ripping open the wounds of the mother. I want to tell America and every other nation, when you destroy the most innocent thing in the world, and that is a baby in its mother's womb, there is a wrath that is coming upon this world. And when our own governments, when they will support, and when they will place the gay pride colors of the flag on our White House, the one that we pay for, when they will support a Abominations such as that, teaching our children that mess in school. There is a wrath that is coming upon this world. And when many in the White House say we do not want God, and when many in the schoolhouse say we do not want God, and when many in the courthouse say we do not want God, and in many cases those in the church house that say we no longer need him, church of God, there is a wrath that is coming upon this world. I believe that right now all of this that we are facing is nothing more than a shaking going on trying to tell you you better repent or you will face the wrath that's going to come. Oh God. Make no mistake about it. For those who are not ready, for those who have not repented, when his son returns, you will be left behind to face the wrath that's going to come. But then when you go to Haggai chapter 2, the Bible tells us yet again the same message, different subject. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was shaking the earth in Exodus 19. Shaking the earth in Isaiah chapter 2. Shaking the earth and the heavens in Isaiah 13. But in Haggai chapter 2, he shook the earth, he shook the heavens, but then became very specific, I'm going to shake every nation. But you know what this was? It was a message that the glory of the Lord was about to sweep the nations of the world. Oh, I want to tell you, friend, I know that this book said that in the last days perilous times shall come. That means troublesome times, burdensome times, times that are just simply hard to bear. And I know what the Word said, that men would become lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And I know that the Word said that in the last days because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. And the Bible said that in the last days children will become disobedient to parents. And I know all of those things. But when I read the Word of the Lord, I cannot neglect the fact that He said in the midst of all of 
that in the last days saith God I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh church of God I want to tell you that even in the midst of all that's going on I believe that we're getting ready to see the glory of the Lord pastor hold on we're going to see the glory of the Lord in the church like we have never seen we're going to live out the book of Acts all over again can I tell you in fact let me say it this way the book of Acts isn't over we're getting ready to write the next chapter in it because I believe that in the midst of all of this God is going to use his glory to shake the very earth that we live upon he's going to shake the earth with blinded eyes being open with deaf ears hearing where dumb mouths are going to speak where lame legs are going to walk where the demon possessed will be delivered where the dead will raise again I want to tell you friend I believe that the glory of the Lord is about to be revealed in his church get ready the glory is coming again Oh, God, have mercy. Let me tell you this. Back in March of last year, I was preaching in Hampton, Virginia. And just that Friday, it was announced by our governor and the governor of Virginia that the following Friday at 5 o'clock, they were shutting everything down. And I knew going into that revival that I was going to have to preach something to a people who were discouraged, who were afraid, who were worried. And you know what I got up and preached that Sunday morning? I was up bright and early way before daylight. And I preached that morning, for he had not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. When I got to that part about the spirit of fear, jumping over to the spirit of power, something got a hold of me, Pastor. And I don't know why I said it. Sometimes you go back and you think to yourself, well, I probably shouldn't have been so blunt in the church, but... I made the comment. I said, let everybody else go out and buy all the toilet paper they want to. I said, why don't the church go down the bacon aisle and buy every bit of the oil they can find? Because in the midst of all of this, my Bible said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I want to tell you, church of God, I believe this is our hour. I believe that this is our moment and the way we're going to win a gainsaying world and the way we're going to win a lost and perverted culture is by them seeing the glory of the Lord being revealed. Oh yeah, we can preach it all day long but they're going to say hey well he's just another God of many gods but when we show them the power when we show them the glory when we show them the doxa of God almighty I believe it's going to turn the world upside down one more time we're going to see it but notice the writer said in the midst of all of this this shaking that's taking place In the midst of him speaking, he said, refuse not him that speaketh. Why? Because all that's going on is this shaking is separating things. Wow. This shaking is separate. Notice what he said. He said, upon this shaking, the things which can be moved will be moved. Notice how he referred to it as things which are made. He's literally talking about the carnal, the fleshly, the earthly. He said when the shaking takes place, it will shake those things that can be moved, but it will not shake those things that cannot be moved. In fact, he said we are of a kingdom which cannot be moved. 
You know what's been taking place since this time last year? A shaking. Have you ever seen a building that was shaken in an earthquake? You know what it does? It separates. In fact, you will find brick and mortar and doors and windows and all sorts of things moved out of its place and torn apart. Friend, I want to tell you what has been taking place over the last year has been nothing more than a shaking in the church. It has shaken us from our familiarity. Oh, God needed to because familiarity breeds content. That's why you've been so satisfied in church the way it's been. Yeah. You know what happens during a shaking in the church? It separates the wheat from the tares. Let me put it to you more basic. What has been taking place for the past year is God is revealing to us who is his church and who are the hypocrites. You thought we were going to come in here and shout today, didn't you? No. Have you ever read the definition of an actor? The definition of an actor is hypocrite. Because all they are doing is playing a part of something they are not. We've got a lot of actors in the church. We've got a lot of actors that over the years who have come in, they have worshipped with us, they have sung our songs, they've shouted in our aisles. But just as soon as the shaking came about, they blow with the wind. Oh, preacher, you're being harsh. Yes, I am. And you shouldn't judge. Yes, I can. Judge not lest you be judged, preacher. Thank you so much. I appreciate your lack of exegesis and contextual study. Because the Bible said that we can judge. In fact, Paul the Apostle said when there was sin and unrighteousness in the church, he said, is there not one wise enough? Is there not one spiritual enough among you to judge what's going on in the church? He said, I'm not even in your church and I've already judged them. In fact, he said that we are going to judge kings and angels. That verse that says, judge not lest ye be judged. He is saying by whatever measure you judge will be the same measurement by which you are judged. So if you judge somebody righteously, you will be judged righteously. And if you judge somebody harshly, you will then be judged harshly. He did not say we couldn't judge. In fact, he said that we are tree inspectors, that we are supposed to inspect the tree by the fruit that they bear. Do not tell me we do not have hypocrites in the church. When you see them at Walmart shopping, when you see them taking family vacation, when you see them every other place paying their insurance, getting their car washed, but yet they're afraid to go into the house of the Lord, I'm telling you, we've got some hypocrites and some actors in the church. I was in a meeting not long ago. It will remain nameless to protect the guilty. A group of ministers that I had to participate in. And I heard two of them make the statement, well, I sure have enjoyed not having to get up three sermons a week. 
I thought to myself, my God, how dare you even call yourself a minister of the gospel when you say I'd rather not preach than to preach. I want to tell you, friend, when there's a fire that's shut up in your bones, you can't help but to preach. When there is truly a God-called man or woman, they're going to have to preach. They're not going to let anything stop them. If I had to preach to the camera, I'd preach to the camera. If no, matter of fact, just go ask my little boy Parker when it's time for Daddy to go preach. He told my wife, I've had almost six months worth of cancellations in the past year. He told my wife not long ago, he said, if things don't pick up for Daddy, I'm going to go crazy. He's preaching revival to me in the car the other day. Let me tell you, friend, when members who have claimed to be pillars of the church will not continue their tithe and offering because they're worried about the economy. You do not have the right foundation. You're not made of the right thing. I want to tell you, friend, in the midst of all of this shaking that's going on, God is revealing to us who is his church and who are the hypocrites. He's revealing to us those things that can be moved and those things that cannot be moved. I want to tell you, I'm a firm believer that in the midst of all of this mess that we've been facing, God will take care of those that stand with him. God will take care of those who will not be shaken. Oh yes, I know that this has been a stressful time. I know that this has been strenuous on our pocketbook. I know it has been tough for our ministry, but when I look back over the times that I've gone through hell and high water and God stood by my side, I cannot help but to say, though all hell assail me, I shall not be moved for Jesus will not fail me. I shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the water. I I shall not be moved, church of God. The governments of this earth, they will be shaken. And the medical sciences of this earth, it will be shaken. And the money institutions of this world, it will be shaken. But I'm a part of a kingdom that cannot be moved, that cannot be shaken. Why? Because on Christ the solid rock. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I shall not be moved. Oh, lift up your hand and worship him. I dare somebody to lift up your voice. I want to hear you worshiping with me for just a moment. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. And notice what the author said. Because we are a part of a kingdom that cannot be moved. What did he say? Let us serve God. Preachers now is not the time to quit preaching. Instead of three sermons, get four of them. Teachers now is not the time to stop teaching. You might not have a physical platform. Get your Sunday school class together and teach online. You're doing everything else online. You can do that too. Church member, now is not the time to stop giving. Now is the time to sow a little bit deeper and a little bit harder. Prove me, he said. He said, just show. Just show me up. He said, because I promise you, if you give, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. That means if he has to use the things of this world to take care of his church, he's going to do it because he has promised that we could prove him. He would show us up if we just bless him financially. It's not the time to stop witnessing. It's the time to witness even more. He said, serve the Lord with reverence. You know what that literally means to me? 
with fear knowing that if I do not do it, I'm failing him in this hour. You see, part of the problem with the church, and I know it's 12 o'clock. If you'll give me two more hours, I promise I'll be done. <laughs> you see, part of the problem with the church is we have been listening to all the wrong voices. Did you hear me? We have been listening to all the wrong voices. We've been listening to the voices of Fox News and CNN. And we've been listening to the voices of Wall Street and the false preachers on TBN. Did they, did they turn me off on that one? Oh, okay, I just want to make sure. We're listening to all the wrong voices. You see, this writer wrote to us one chapter earlier about God's Hall of Fame. He said, listen, these were men and women whom the world was not even worthy of. He talked about a man by the name of Enoch who walked so righteously that one day God just came down and caught him up. He talked about a man by the name of Noah. He said he preached righteousness. He told the world the rain's coming, and yet they mocked him. They laughed at him and said, we don't even know what rain is. And he continued to build the ark even in the midst of ridicule until finally God shut the door of that ark, and when it began to rain, everybody on the outside was knocking but he found favor in the sight of the Lord. He talked about a man named Abraham who felt like all he was doing was walking in circles, Pastor. Felt like all he was doing was journeying, never making any headway. And even upon being asked, Uncle Abe, why are you just doing this? Why can't you get settled? Why, why, why can't you get focused? He said, because I'm looking for a city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. He said, I don't have time to tell you about David, about Samson, about Deborah. He said, but I will tell you this. All of these in the Hall of Fame, the world wasn't worthy of them. Why? Because they were cut in half. Mothers lost their children. People lost their wealth. He even said they went hungry, some of them. But they held on. They kept the faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. He said, all of your good works mean nothing. He said, because without faith, it is impossible to please him. And notice what he said at the beginning of chapter 12. Wherefore, we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run this race that is before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. 
You know what I believe he's trying to tell us today? Is in the midst of all of these voices that we're listening to, why don't we turn our ears away from the television and turn our ears toward that cloud? Because on that cloud, you're going to hear Father Abraham say, Mitchell McLam, you just keep right on. I know you act, You think that you're just turning circles. I know you think that, that this is just a journey that you can't get uh, taken care of. And I know everything just seems crazy. But you're doing it because you're looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You just keep right on working. And then I believe if we could open up our ears, we would listen now to Brother Noah as he's telling us, listen, I continued preaching even though people rejected me, even, pe even though people didn't listen to my sermon. And I can almost hear Brother David and say, listen, even my brothers mocked me when I went to face the giant. Even everybody around me said, he's too little, he's too young, he's too weak to do it. But yet I stood that giant eye to eye and I said, the Lord is by my side. You will not defeat us today. Oh yes, I believe we would hear Brother Enoch telling us, you just hold on. You keep walking righteously. You keep walking holily because one of these days when you least expect it just like me, he's going to take you out of here. What is the message behind this is quite simple my friend if they were cut in half and they made it then you and I can make it if they went to bed hungry every night and still made it then you and I can make it if they were killed if they were destroyed if they were put under and they still made it then my God we can make it I've got good news if you're part of the kingdom that cannot be shaken you're going to make it you're going to make it so I ask you today what are you made of? Are you made of things that can be moved or things that cannot be moved? Are you a true Christian or are you an actor? Because I want to tell you, the days of acting it out are no longer going to work. The days of playing a part, it's over. Because all of this mess will either tear you down or build you up. I have preached more on the baptism in the Holy Ghost lately than I have in a long time. I preach at every revival I go to, but sometimes here recently I've been preaching it at least twice a week, the opportunities I'd get to preach. You know why? Because a true church full of the Holy Ghost will stand. He didn't tell us that we needed the baptism so we could shout and run the aisles and fall on the floor. He told us we needed the baptism so we could be taught the truth, what's really going on. So he could guide us. So he could comfort us. So he could pray for us. So he could commission us. You see, when you were full of the Spirit of God, these things... can't shake you now I know the Bible says let not your heart be troubled and it says fear not but can I speak to you as a human is that okay 
as a human being, it's only natural to get afraid. I know the super-duper preachers will tell you you shouldn't be afraid right now. When you see them, tell them Michael Ball said it was okay. Sometimes we get afraid. I got to be honest with you. I, I'm just, I'm being open. I, I know in seminary they teach you not to do all these things and to talk openly because it makes you look weak. Well, <laughs> too bad. When you have half of your year canceled and you're used to preaching every week, five to seven times a week. And I told somebody the other day, a friend of mine, a state overseer from up north, I said, I'm a preacher. I, 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 I've got to preach. I said, and I, I, I'm finding every outlet that I can to, to do it. But I said, when you're not getting the opportunities as you once were, I said, there's a place missing. A void. And I've got to be honest with you. I, Pastor, I'm missing fellowship. I'm a social extrovert. I sleep normally between the hours of 3 a.m. and 7 a.m. I get very little sleep. I, that's just how I run. I'm used to keeping your pastor up at 2 a.m. at Waffle House. Ask him. <laughs> Spiritually, I hope he's lifted up. Physically, when I'm gone, he is drained, I assure you. See? We know who's not a hypocrite here today. And when I don't get that interaction, that, that fellowship, because there's something about fellowship with the saints. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. There's something about that. And let's just be honest. When, when you're wondering, okay, God, how am I going to provide for my family during this time? Sometimes fear comes in. Some of you have been no different. Some of you, and I've got to be honest, I've not spoken to one pastor that hasn't had these same thoughts. God, how are we going to keep the doors open? See, while you're at home eating dinner and doing all these things, the preacher's the one that's sitting around saying, God, do I have church this week because two of my people got COVID? Or what do I do? And some that aren't coming back to church, it's nothing to them, but the pastor is agonizing all night long. God, how are we ever going to regroup it? Rebuild this thing. And some of you possibly have lost loved ones through this pandemic. Just think about the brokenness of your brothers and sisters, your friends and relatives who have lost. God, we don't understand why you don't heal everybody. Some of you have lost your jobs. But here's the fact of the matter. Are we temporal? Or are we eternal? 
Are we made of things that can be shaken? Or are we made of things that cannot be shaken? I choose to not be shaken. Because can I be perfectly honest with you? No matter how bad it does get, for us who can't be shaken, it's going to get better. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And over there, there will be no more COVID-19. Over there, there will be no more political issues. You know why? Because when Jesus comes, he's not taking a vote. He's taking over. And there won't be any more racial division over there. Because over there, we're just washed by the blood. For there is neither Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, male nor female. Over there. Everything we've worked so hard for down here, we'll look back and say, that was nothing compared to the glories that have awaited me here.